You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, Pastor Josh, with the incredible, talented <laughs> Matt Shiles. And Matt, I, I, no lie, Thank you. I, as I was driving in today, I want to give you a huge shout out mm. to all of our family and friends because every single week you come prepared. Mm. Like you have put together the questions, you and fabulous Joe over here in the corner. But you have, I mean, and I'm so grateful that you prepare, that you put it all together, you come and you're ready. And and so if if you want to give Matt a shout out, here's how you can do it. You can email him at Matthew.Shiles, and that's S-H-I-L-E-S. So Matthew.Shiles at NorthlandChurch.net. And just simply just say thank you. Mm. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm giving him a huge shout out saying thank you, and I'm grateful for you. So please do that. Make his day. Not that he you need your day made, but it'd just be nice, right? Of course. Yeah. It's always nice. Thank you so much. That was uh, that was too kind, but it is a, it's a joy every week to do this. And I know Joe and I bond over being able to do those questions. And just this past weekend, it seems like every weekend now I'm getting into great conversations with, with other congregants that will yeah. come, come up to me and, and talk about, hey, I learned this or, or I love this. So I've just been engaging them and, and saying, yeah. hey, Hey, send me questions, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever have any questions, send me questions. I, yeah. um, I can't guarantee it, it'll make it on, but, um, but actually today we have a listener question, so that'll be, that. that'll be coming in a little bit. So um, one of one of the congregants, Greg, took me up on it and sent it to me, and I said, okay, it's going to make the cut. So, awesome, awesome. Um, so this week is uh, the second week of our series, All Things New. Yeah. So this is the, the week after Easter and something you we started this year and you want us to do every year is you we start a new series on Easter. Yep. And it's a way of kind of launching, and this is All Things New. So this is a four-week series, and this week was New Every Morning. Mm-hmm. We were in Lamentations, so I hope we have a good conversation around that book, uh, 319 through 24, mm-hmm. and it's April 15th through 16th. Mm-hmm. So the main point, the new you. So remember last week, the main point was you need a new you. So this week was the new you can face old days in a new kind of way. Well, let me ask you this, because I I very seldom do I ever put you on the spot. Yeah. Did it make any sense? Yeah. I had to set it up, though. I mean, to, you know, look at the forecast and that, you know, our forecast. But, you know, because sometimes you, as as someone who obviously preaches uh, a lot, you're always trying to think of mm-hmm. how, how do you set it up in a way that is meaningful, that yeah. kind of intersects people's lives, but that is also faithful to the text to kind of bring it out. So that's where, you know, looking at new kind of new ways to face old days is really would be this more of a shorter version yeah but 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 carrying on from what we learned last week is that the only way 
that you can have these new ways to face old days is if you have a new you. Yes. Because now Jeremiah was looking forward to the new you, right? That the and so that that's where like so that's where I'm like, hey, it just it's always interesting to see. Did it make really? Did, did it make sense or yeah? Did it just like go over people's head. No, I like the continuity with the new you piece. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that in. So, you know, anytime we can we can remind people, hey, this isn't just a one-off. Yeah. Right? We are continuing, even from series to series, right. we are continuing learning and building on each other. I do think the old days piece, it, you have to explain it a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's when you dig into yeah. Lamentations, you get into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was wonderful. And um, in four ways, that's what we talked about, was yeah. four ways we can face old days in a new kind of way. Hmm. So to open, you know, I have a, a bone to pick with you. Okay. Because you called me boring. This oh, morning. because you don't look at the forecast? What's there to look at? It's hot and rainy. Well, you, you, you just don't, <laughs> well, <laughs> right? maybe the forecast is boring. <laughs> so so I, I do look at the forecast if I'm doing something specific. Like you oh, said, like we went to the beach. I'll look at the forecast. Go, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, vacation. But if it's just a normal day, just normal day, are you going to be ready though? So, so two things. You have I'll an do. umbrella with you, a rain jacket. I don't do umbrellas. So you just get wet, like that guy that gets caught out in the rain. <laughs> so what I do during the winter, my wife makes fun of me, is if it's weather <laughs> to to find out if it's cold or not, I'll feel the window. You'll feel the window. Okay. It felt really good this morning having rained all morning because this is on a Monday. Yeah. And man, it felt great. I didn't I did not mind taking Mater out this morning. And so no, it, it, it was great. I but, felt like but God... also, I got this text message, no lie. So uh, I got this text message from one of our governing elders, Chris Storms, and he says, Last night my weather app said it was an eighteen percent chance of rain today. <laughs> so, I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> so that, so I was right. See, that's why it's not boring because you just want to, I mean, could you imagine if I just said, hey, 18% of what I say is true today? <laughs> you, you know, it might be true. I mean, so <laughs> could you imagine making a living off of saying 18 and then just being completely wrong? Like, that, that's awesome. So wouldn't it be great? We love meteorologists. That, if you go to our church, we, we love you. Wouldn't that be great to bring a meteorologist in and, and talk about the complexities of that? Because I agree. We, I don't understand it at all. It seems uh, so simplistic, but we know it's so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so I, um, I, don't, I don't carry an umbrella. I walked out the, the door this morning and Kaylee said, do you want an umbrella? I'm like, no, just put my hood up and... Ran in my car. I uh, see. I can't put. I, I really don't want to put my hood up. I would mess up my hair. So can, that's that vein element. You can you can fix it. Uh, no, okay. I, I just only want to have to fix it once. So I want to have to refix it. It's just really hard to refix it during the day. So and and Joe, don't judge or you'd be kicked out. <laughs> no. We're five minutes in and the wheels are off. I don't oh, even right. know. Okay. Well, you know, we're trying. We're trying to be very lighthearted because it is lamentations. I mean, it is. It is lamenting and yeah. sadness. So let's talk about that okay. because you, you see how you see what I did there. I was able to. Yeah, yeah. I'm not always the best at those transitions. Yeah. I just kind of like <laughs> get right into it. So I appreciate that. Yep, uh, you're welcome. That assist. Um, so the first part. Um, the four ways, we'll go through each one of them. First part was God is sovereign over our sorrows. Um, and this is where I, I just want to talk about Lamentations as a whole um, and what we can learn from this book. 
um, specifically thinking about sorrow and pain in the in the Christian life and just the world in general. Um, what can we learn, and and how can this be used for apologetics? Yeah, I, well, I, I think we already know that life is full of sorrow and pain and suffering. I had somebody also text me. They said, if you want to preach that message every other week, I wouldn't mind. Mm. And I think that, you know, and I, I think that resonates with a lot of people. I even had somebody come up to me, too, during the weekend, and and they said, you, you know, I, I, lo- I love your preaching. Uh, you, you know, I know that you seek the Lord and what you should preach, but that's, that, that's my favorite message that you've ever preached hmm. because she was dealing with some things. Hmm. And so and, – and I would say that, again, when it comes to life, it really is full of the, the scattered thunder showers, the isolated thunderstorms, maybe that hurricane or – you know, I'm, I'm using obviously weather-type language. Yeah. But, it, but it means so much because I, I – and it's not that – and there, there's a lot of great teaching, great books. Like Tim Keller has a really good book on, on pain and suffering, walking through pain and suffering. So if you've never read that book, I would really highly encourage it. So all that to say, I, I think we know these things, but to be reminded of these things often, often is really important. And then to be reminded that he is sovereign over our sorrows. Like I'll give you an interesting tidbit about Lamentations. And I didn't bring, you know, I didn't share it during during the weekend. But Lamentations five chapters. Every chapter has 22 verses with the exception of chapter three. And it has 22 verses because it goes through the Hebrew alphabet. And so there's there's 22 alphabets, you know, letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so with Lamentations uh, 3, in, in the passage that we un, unpacked this this past weekend comes right in the heart mm. uh, of the uh, of the entire book. Mm. So so in the midst of the sorrow, God he is showing his sovereignty even in the construct of the book itself, mm. you, you know, that in the midst of your sorrow and your lamenting and your sadness and your heaviness, there is hope. Mm. And I, I, am, I am your hope. Mm. And so so I think that might might be something that we can learn that mm. in in a life from from beginning, because Job will talk about it, mm. you, you, you know, of how you, the entry of life. I mean, there's just sorrow. Mm. And then at the end, there's sorrow. But in the in the center hmm. there's hope and there's only one hope and and his and his name is Jesus hmm. his name is Yahweh so it's a really fun uh tidbit about lamentations you know the idea that it's acrostic it's something that we we miss um with the translation yep. right um from hebrew and it's such a interesting contrast when you think about the the beauty and the intentionality with with how the book was constructed versus what the contents of of the book are, um, but there's still there's still beauty there throughout. And here's an here's another little tidbit that I learned too in my study is that in in the Hebrew Bible, so not not, not when I say not the Christian version uh, of of the of the Hebrew Bible. But in in the Hebrew Bible, so Jews because they, they they wouldn't believe in the New Testament. But but in the in their Hebrew Bible, Lamentations is not Lamentations; is actually how, hmm. because they're they're asking how in the world could this be? Hmm. 
And so I think that when you you know that we can even glean from uh, from our Jewish friends of going, yeah, I mean when we when we face this pain and suffering in our life, we're asking the question, how? Which is why you, you know I, I wanted to go through here at least three reasons you, you know that w- that we at least try to you know kind of explain um, and so and then the 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 reasons why God would allow pain and suffering and so yeah. so this is really the answer to okay how can this be mm-hmm. and so because because I do think that that apologetically help I mean at least again it, it might not fully satisfy someone's like like I say uh, need to have these satisfactory answers yeah but it does at least provide some some reasoning that that I would argue that is anchored yeah. in, in the biblical text yeah yeah I'm so glad you went through those because it is such a it's such a common question and it's it's a legitimate question yeah. of of how can how can God allow evil yeah. and suffering in the world? Yeah, and um, and it's a question that we um, we owe it to ourselves and owe it to the world to really think deeply about and have yeah. um, have you know th- there's no there's no silver bullet of an answer, but like you said, there are um, there's an explanation that that um, s- shows a little bit of the um, the fuller picture yeah. than. Um, than those that just ask that question might not see. Well, every civilization, this one, one of the things that Tim Keller talks about in his book, Walking Through Pain and Suffering, is that every civilization, every religion has at least attempted to tackle this question because it is one of the primary questions, if not the first question that someone asks, well, if God is really who he says he is, or if I'm trying to figure out what this life is all about, you have to you have to deal with pain and suffering. Like, why? How how can a good God allow this to happen? And, yeah. and just to just to reiterate that there, the three reasons, and there are at least three reasons, and one is that God, he allows us to experience sorrow, suffering, and pain because of our sin and to make us disconnected content with the way things are like so so in some sense the reason why just as hu- the human race the, the reason why we experience sorrow and pain and suffering is because we are fallen and we live in a fallen world and it was not supposed to be that way mm-hmm. and so therefore you, you know it should it, it should take us somewhere to to find answers okay well is there any hope of, of a renewal? Is there any hope of a restoration of my life and of creation where I don't have to experience this again? And God says, yeah, there actually is. <laughs> yeah. And so that, again, that's the whole new you and Jesus' death and resurrection. But then the second reason is that God allows Satan uh, to bring sorrow, suffering, and pain about to deepen our, our faith or to drive us to him. We see that with Job. We see that with um, Paul's thorn in the flesh. And another um, another example would be Paul and Silas in prison. You, you know, where it just living in a fallen world and the opposition of persecution that beat mm-hmm. them, that threw them into prison, mm-hmm. it, what did it drive them to? It drove them to praise, mm-hmm. you know, instead of complain. Mm-hmm. And then the the third reason is that God allows sorrow and suffering and pain to really use it as a catalyst to bring others to him. 
And so this is where if we know as believers, if we know we live in a fallen world and we know that we're going to experience it at some point and we might even experience, like when I say terminal illness that brings upon this this sorrow and, and towards the end of life, we actually can use it as a catalyst mm. to to help point others to to Christ. And so therefore, like, you know, you look at Joseph and how he dealt with pain and, yeah. and then obviously ultimately our king. So we, we can actually emulate Jesus, not that we are dying for someone's sin, mm. but that we are using the pain and sorrow and suffering in our life to, to leverage it for the glory of our king, for the good of others. And so it can be a catalyst used to bring about maybe someone's salvation, maybe someone's sanctification. Mm. And so so let's just make sure that the, the way that God is sovereign over our sorrows can be seen in the way not only we, we think about sorrow, suffering, and pain, but the way we actually engage it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think when you, know, when you go back to the beginning – uh, in Genesis and, and and look at the fall when we create when you talked about you know God created didn't create it this way right but then the fall happened and then the next question is naturally well, well why doesn't he just fix it yeah and as believers our response is he did yeah. through Jesus yeah well and then some people would even want to go before that and go why didn't he stop them well I mean so there that, I mean that's a loaded question uh, but but here are a couple of thoughts um, that that I would I would share one who was who was some other being that rebelled against God Satan Satan and he kicked he kicked him and his followers out of heaven and they didn't have another chance mmm so the idea that Satan is going to tempt God's prized creation, mm. man, mm. humanity, he's he's thinking to himself, well, if if they rebel, if they commit treason against the king, he's going to kick them out, mm. and they're going to face the same future that I'm facing too. But but God, he allows that to to prove this point, mm. you, you know, and the point is salvation, redemption, mm. and so, and then also it, there, there's the another side to it that he's showing mankind, he's showing humanity, this is what happens when you do not follow me. This is what happens when you do not obey me, mm. and so there, there are there are consequences to the fall, to the disobedience of mankind against a holy God, and it is the unraveling of order. That's one of the things that really concerns me with the with the cultural context in which we live. Like so one of the things I, I actually had some time today to just process some things. And so one of the statements that I wrote just as I was thinking is right now America is going through a transition. And the transition that America is going through is they are transitioning from the older brother in the prodigal son to the younger brother in the prodigal son. So the older brother, he was very moral. Uh, he he was you know very law abiding. I mean he he lived in he lived in the the father's house. He followed the father's rules. Mm-hmm. But but in the end, he still rejected the father's grace. Right, and so the younger son, though he he wasn't law abiding, he wasn't moral, mm. he was very licentious, mm. and so you know, and he spit in the father's face, wished that the father would die, 
and he went off and did his own thing. Hmm. Well, so, but but where we are in a in nation, we have we have transitioned from the older brother to the younger brother, where there's no more, you know, there's no morality. You, you know, what was once taboo is now normalized. But but what but what I would say is is that you still had some order with the older brother, even though he was still just as far from the father as the as the younger son was, as as the prodigal son was. Hmm. But when you completely throw off all m- m- morals, all values, look at what the younger brother experienced. Yeah, yeah. And so, so all I'm saying there is, is that hmm. th- therein lies a just great example is that when when you completely let loose of even trying to to follow uh, god's moral laws mm. there is a there is a complete unraveling of order mm. um, now again they're both lost in that story in luke in luke 15 and so but it was the prodigal son that came back and understood who the father was but anyways i digress huh. but i but i wanted to sh- kind of share that because what what i am seeing in our culture is that one of the things that the church is going to have to do is because if we believe that this constant movement away from morality, away from when I say God's kind of law that he's placed up in our heart, if if we're going to constantly move there, we know all it's going to do is manifest more brokenness yeah. uh, because that that is yeah. part of the consequences mm. of our sin. Mm. And we're going to see it manifested more and more in the coming days, years, and decades. And so the church, we just need to really position ourselves to know what we believe about pain, suffering, and sorrow holistically and not just one-dimensionally. Hmm. Yeah, and I've heard you say it before that that, that sort of moving away do, does, not, does not scare you because it just creates this opportunity for the church to be brighter or seem brighter. Yeah. And that's part of where I would say we have to position ourselves if we know it is it is going to ultimately be detrimental to people's physical, emotional health and, and really spiritual health, yeah. then we have to position ourselves in a way to be able to to love them and care for them w- when they hit rock bottom. Mm. So you know, it's one of the reasons why we we just had a sent a team to Spain, Girona, Spain. And um, they just got back. Uh, we went to the, the Parnells, um, some of our global workers there. And one of the reasons I love that trip is because um, those that go get a glimpse into post-Christian Europe, mm. right? Where, where we are moving to and um, the reality of a church on every corner, but they are empty but, or they are museums. Yeah. Um, and they are very, um, they're very sterile environments um, and not alive. So, um, you know, there's certainly things to learn from going on a mission trip in Latin America and Africa, but um, going on a mission trip in in Europe and in Spain, it's a whole new dimension of of what we're seeing and and what we think we're moving towards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for Jeremiah... So, so many believe Jeremiah uh, wrote Lamentations. He was called the weeping prophet, but he wrote about hope. So this tension between sorrow and hope, um, how should we as believers deal with these two? And, and really, how does the gospel interact with, with these two? Yeah, sorrow and hope. I mean, that's, that's something I was actually talking to a few people this weekend. 
like when you when you preach a message like this, you you have to almost thread a needle of the heaviness and hope. <laughs> you, you know that you want people to feel the heaviness, but you want people to feel the hope. And you want to when I say thread the needle, you want to balance it out yeah. very very well. That feel the heaviness, but know that there's hope. Feel the heaviness, know that there is is hope. And so, and that that's part of really trying to get even the context of of lamentations is that man, it was really bad for them. I mean, and I would just encourage all of you, uh, because Lamentations, again, it's five chapters, so you could read it, and, and you re- really could read it in one setting, but if you wanted to take the next five days mm. and just read each chapter, you're going to be like, oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're, you're just going to feel the the heaviness, and so... Like, uh, I mean, I could, you know, my eyes fell from weeping. I am in torment within. I mean, that's that's verse eleven, chapter two. I mean, and and again, the, there there was a moment here where they're they're starting to turn to cannibalism because, again, the Babylonians had laid siege, and and the kind of that siege warfare was who could outlast the other, mm. and so food has been cut off, and so obviously food had kind of dried up in in certain people's lives and so they turn to cannibalism i mean that that's pretty dark that's pretty heavy yeah and yeah. so but even in the midst of that that's why I like jeremiah what a what a crazy calling that he's going to be the weeping prophet that he's going to be the prophet that they don't listen to you know that he's going to but he's also the prophet too in addition to Isaiah and then even Ezekiel that's going to paint this picture of hope I mean, because Jeremiah was the he was the prophet that wrote Jeremiah 29 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord but that those plans weren't going to come until after seventy years. That you you're going to experience this for seventy years. Hmm. But just know that you know, and this goes into the the second point. But my covenantal love it never ceases to labor. Yeah. And so so for seventy years you're going to feel like I'm not there. For seventy years you're going to feel like I've abandoned you. But I haven't. I'm behind the scenes working. And so even in the midst of your heaviness, th- there is there is actually a future hope. Hmm. Well, and you talk about the. The threading of the needle, the balance between the two. That my next question is: When we talk about hope for the future, how do we ensure that this doesn't just come across as a religious platitude? Um, because, because it can it can certainly uh, discourage those believers that that don't feel this way. So, um, if if those some listening are in that camp, how how do we um, how do we fight against that? Yeah. Well, so a, a couple of things. One, this is where theology plays a huge part because theology is not a platitude. It really is a way of living mm-hmm. and it's a way of thinking. It, you know, that's why I think theology, great theology is applied theology. Mm-hmm. And when when and that's why I spend a little time of just unpacking the idea of covenant. Because when you look at how God operates and how he has chosen to work with hu- human beings, he has chosen to operate through covenants. And these are these formal relationships where either one party or both parties has obligations and promises to fulfill, and then they are sealed with an oath. And in every covenant mm. that we see through uh, throughout Scripture, particularly the Abrahamic, uh, you know, covenant, the Sinai covenant, the New Covenant, the sealed with the oath is always brought about by blood, by the shedding of blood. Mm. And so 
I, I want people to realize that it's it's not a platitude when you think of Jesus's shed blood that made a way for us to even enter into a relationship with the Lord. Mm. And, and his blood not only made the way, but it is the sealing of the oath. Like mm. what, what, what God is now saying through the giving of his son for us is that the the blood that was shed, mm. that was the son that was not spared to get you in, is the same blood, and and it's the same love that will work for you not only until eternity but for all eternity. Mm. And and so then there's not a platitude there that there is a belief that that the God that I worship, he died. He, he, he died for me. Now, yes, he died for the world, but you can insert individual, your individual self that he died for me. And if he worked that much to get me in, mm. how much more so is he going to work mm. because now I am in, that I am a child of the king and that he's not going to lose me, that he's always going to have a grip on me. So so that's one, you know, there's just one thing. And then the, the second part, that's why I wanted to dive a little bit, when I say dive deeper into trying to unpack, okay, like I don't want it to be a platitude. I don't want us just to turn to Lamentations, you, yeah. you know, three and go, oh, well, God's mercies are new every morning. No, like, let's, how? Yeah. Like, because yeah. that, that's, you know, I mean, how do you experience that? Yeah. And then yeah. trying to unpack, you, you know, so so the covenantal love was, was point number two. That was way number two. But then number three was, okay, his daily mercies mm. are present in my in my dreaded messes. Okay. Mm. So, but what what does his daily mercies look like? And and that's part of where and as I was and this is where I, like I never cease thinking about the message until I preach it. And then I'm then I'm still thinking, man, I could have, yeah, you, you know, because I I, I I do feel the burden that I want uh, that my, my aim as a as a pastor and as a preacher I truly want because I believe that the Lord's word is living and active. Yeah. But I, I do think it's part of the when I say challenge in the study of of the, the of the pastor to not only know what the word is saying, yeah, but okay, what is it? How is what it's saying in its context? How is it applicable to us? Yeah. And how does it come alive in the twenty first century? And so that's where you know really trying to unpack how how we can experience his daily mercies yeah. and. Thinking through that of the five love languages, and I, I think it gives people now a framework to go, okay, how is how how is God showing me His love possibly today? Yeah. And then if you cannot, if there's it, maybe if you get to a point where you're struggling to see it, yeah. that's where I had this other thought. Okay, so you might get there and you're like, well, I, I can't see it, you know, Pastor Josh. Like, yeah. you know, I, I hear what you're saying about the five love languages, but. And then that's where I started thinking. Okay, well, the new, the, so the new me, the the new us, the the new you that's been made available by Jesus's death and resurrection. It actually does some things that are new for us. It provides us a new 
yeah. perspective. So we don't see, we don't see the image the way everybody else sees it. We actually see it. We we can actually see it differently mm. because we have now a new perspective. Mm. And then we also have a new dimension. And so so there is an embedded image that God might want you to see in your sorrow, in your present mm. suffering, mm. in the present pain. But you couldn't see that prior to you becoming new. Yeah. But now because you are part of a kingdom that is not of this world, yeah. that you are being renewed daily, even in in your suffering, because he's using, he's using, again, that's part of how he can use pain and suffering and sorrow to draw us to himself, to drive us to, to himself, and to make us look more like him. And so therefore, we might can see a different dimension because of a new me that that God has has made available through Jesus, and then new details. That was a huge thing for me because, I, and I could have used a lot of different TV episodes or movies that I just will put on. Oh yeah, and I will actually put sub the like, closed captions. Yeah, and at first Joni hated it, but now she actually loves it. I love it because she's like, "Oh, is that what they said?" And so it 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 just magnifies. Yeah, some. Uh, an episode that you've seen 10 times yep. but now you've learned a new detail well so that that really is the the new me the new you right is that because we have been redeemed and are being redeemed even in the midst of pain and sorrow and suffering even though we're seeing the same picture the the, the same environment god can show us a new detail and then like a new lens. Mm. Like so so that's an example of how I was not satisfied with just giving the information mm. of okay, new mercies. Mm. Okay, like what like how does that intersect? Yeah. You, you know, what what does that actually look like? Yeah. How can you explain it to me? And so um so that's where I mean just going to work a little bit more to tr- to try to draw out you know something else that might might turn the light on for somebody go you know I might I, actually I might not be looking at it the way I should be looking at yeah. it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. So so when you say theology is not a platitude, it's a way of thinking, and it's a it's a deep way of thinking with with deep substance behind it um, that is then applicable to our daily lives. Yeah, right? um, yeah. I you know because I think we can get caught up in that, and um, you know religious platitudes can get thrown around in our day, and we have to we have to be careful that just because something might sound pithy doesn't mean that it lacks substance, right? And um, and if it lacks substance and it has the deep theology behind it, um, we can we can trust it. Yeah. Um, even if we don't feel it. Yeah. You know, um, we can trust the truth and see um, even when we don't feel it. Yeah. So um, so you had talked about the five love languages, but this is where we get to our listener question. So Greg Hodges, um, we both know him, and, and we were we were talking back and forth. So he emailed this to me yesterday. So from the five love languages, which ones do you see God using in the Lamentations passage? So um, you can't just say all of them, because yeah. I know you did that um, a bit, but um, maybe oh, that, specifically. Oh, well, yeah, I went through all of them for us, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you went through all of them for us, and, and I think broadly, um, you know, we, we can see all of those, um, you know, specifically in, you know, His mercies never cease. 
Right. Right. That's yeah. where his mercies never cease. That's where we see all all five of them in various ways. And I thought that was a yeah a, a great way to see that. But yeah, um, of those five, which ones do you see? You know, throughout those. Yeah, that's a really great question, Greg. So I, you, you know, in looking at the list, I would definitely say gifts. So just the fact that they were not driven to extinction. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of nations became extinct, and Israel didn't. So the fact that they still had breath, that was a gift. The the, the fact that, you know, they, even many of them being driven or being held captive and taken back to Babylon, again, that they didn't... They didn't face extinction, uh, but but God is going to actually. What's interesting is that when you read the language in Jeremiah, He's going to say sent God sent them into exile, and it's missional language. Mm. So so the fact that he, you know He's going to take something that was meant for evil and turn it mm. for you know good. I mean, again, like you could put that as an act of service where where what you know kind of what was meant for evil. God is actually going to turn it for for good, and we actually do see if you read Daniel, which is again a, a great book to read. Of all right, how did they deal there in Babylon? I mean, so that that that's kind of how they did. At least some faithful people did. And so here, you know, a couple others that I would think uh, is you know definitely words of affirmation. Yeah, is that God's great love? Like, okay, um, I, I don't, I might not feel His love. But he's saying that he loves me. I'm, I'm going to trust, right? I'm, I'm going to trust the words of affirmation. Yeah. You know, again, going back to, for I know the plans I have for you. Okay, it might not, and here's what it might, here's here's where it becomes hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It might not be for me. It might be for someone else. I mean, because again, as someone's listening to, Jeremiah say, hey, the Lord, I, I know it looks very bleak. I know it looks very dark. The forecast is not. Listen, the forecast for the rest of your life is nothing but doom and gloom. But here's what God says. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And so he's not done with you. And that's plural, right? That's a plural you. All of you. That's all of you. And so therefore, the the older generation could pass it on is that God, he, he has not forsaken us. Listen, and, and so I would say that that is a word of, you know, affirmation. Hmm. And so, I mean, and I think sometimes it's it's hard to kind of give maybe, well, when I'm as I'm thinking about Greg's question, I, I don't think that, that that list is going to be a, a an extensive list, particularly in this setting. And the reason, and the reason why I would say again, this is my thought. So yeah. this is just my thought. Is the reason why that that list would not the the five love language, and you're looking at how how does that seem in limitations? The the reason why it wouldn't be extensive is because they are getting what they deserve. Mm. And God had, but but if you think about it, God had let them struggle mm. for centuries, mm. and He had given them, I mean, chance. After chance, after chance, and they 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 never rectified the situation. Which again, that's a whole theological conversation in and of itself because sure. it goes back to the covenant. You know, when you look at the Sinai covenant or or the Mosaic, those are the same covenant 
but expressed in two different ways because the covenant was given at Sinai or it was given through the hand of Moses. So mm-hmm. it was at either a person or a place. That, that's the reason why it's Mosaic or Sinai covenant. But God gave them obligations that they had to do in order to keep the covenant. Mm. And so you need to follow my laws. You need to follow my commands. Mm. And if you don't follow my laws, and again, you you see the Ten Commandments as part of the the framing out, and then he would give them ceremonial and civil laws. So moral laws, ceremonial, and civil laws that God would give them of what they had to keep in the land. And if they didn't, and they started to follow other gods and, and make other idols, then God was going to kick them out of the land. So that's why when you know I read Jeremiah 31 at the very beginning, and it says that you did not keep my covenant. Mm. And so what he's saying is that you have not held up your end of the bargain. Right. You, you have not held up your obligations and promises that you swore. If you go back again, read Exodus, that, oh, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. And so ultimately, they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why the, the hope and the word of affirmation is that I'm working out a better covenant. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, that well, again, that's the New Testament, that's Jesus. And then you can actually read about the the details of a better covenant in the book and the New Testament book Hebrews because the author of Hebrews is going to talk about how the new covenant made possible by Jesus's death and resurrection was much better and it has replaced the old covenant the Mosaic, the Sinai covenant. So so again, all that to say that's how God, I mean yeah. that, that's how God showed his love to to his people in the midst of lamentations. Yeah, that was great. And and the one that I saw um, was gifts. The Lord is my portion; mm. therefore, I will yep. wait for Him. Yeah, I mean, just think. I mean, that that, that I mean, just think about that. I, I mean, I was having a spell inside, and I'm like, I am not doing a good job fleshing this one out. But that so in inheritance, I, I you know, I really thought about bringing yeah. my granddad's watch. Like, so my granddad uh, passed away. Okay. Years ago, and I loved my granddad. Like we were extremely close, and I always enjoyed our theological debates turned arguments because he would always get frustrated with me, and he was like, "Gosh, I forgot more than you ever know." And, uh, and so I just, I just remember those, and I just, I mean, I just love my my granddad and miss him, miss him deeply. Every time I look at a picture with with him and I, the last picture that we took, I always get, I always get teary eyed. Mm. But but my grandma gave me his watch, mm. and um, and that that's great, and I keep it in my nightstand beside my bed. Mm. And I thought about bringing that and go. So what Jeremiah is saying, even though we will be experiencing a funeral, a funeral is not our future. The Lord is, and it's not a watch. It's not even a place. Like the. The Lord is our inheritance. Yeah, I mean, like it, it just it, it baffles me, and like that's where I, I I can't even I don't even feel like I, trying to articulate. I know I'm not doing it justice, but the mm-hmm. weight, the significance, mm-hmm. the glory, the mm-hmm. beauty, the majesty. Mm-hmm. I mean, like He is our inheritance. Yeah, that's why, like, when you look at the new city. And he will be our God and we will be his people and there will be no need for sun or moon for his glory lights the place. And, and so, again, the new city is not our inheritance. He is like, yeah, great. Life in the new city is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Right. But that's not the inheritance. Right. Our inheritance is him. Hmm. 
And so um, that that's where Jeremiah is like, the Lord is my portion. Not, I mean, again, like the Lord gave them the land, mm-hmm. the, the promised land. Mm. And and he talks about and in the Old Testament he talks about restoring them to the land, but that's where for me, eschatologically, I believe that Jerusalem, that new land, is the new city. So he's going to restore them, and that's why you see every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group that he has he has redeemed a people from from every all of those they're streaming into the new city. But again, that's not the inheritance. Jesus is our inheritance. Yeah. And, and so, like, uh, and that's why people would say, you, you know, it's great to have these little trinkets from the from the loved ones that we have lost. But everybody knows that the treasure is, is not the is not the property. Mm. The treasure is the person. Yeah. yeah. And what Jeremiah is getting at is that, like, just know that that even though it's a funeral like environment, hey. It, at some point, you will experience that funeral. That funeral isn't your future. God is. And so he's your portion. So, it, But the only way he's your portion is if you have your eyes on him. Mm. And, and so because if, you, if you've not experienced a new you, you will not look to the Lord as your portion, right? Only a new you can you see this, this, this inheritance, this portion being your father. Mm. So mm. – yeah. So it, it, again, I, I it's hard to even put the put that in word words of how how meaningful and impactful those words that Jeremiah uttered are. Yeah, it's such an such an interesting week when we talk about sorrow for somebody to even come up to you and say, "Hey, this is one of the most impactful you know sermons you've ever preached," and I and I think that's a that's a testament of the hope that is in the gospel, right? Amen. Only yeah. in the gospel can we have can we focus on sorrow and actually it be an encouraging message, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, um, you you hit our our last point. Our future isn't a funeral, yeah. but life with the Father is really well. Um, so I w- just want to bring up that the principle that you gave us near the end: God's faithfulness is greater than our fretting. Hmm. Where did that come from? Jesus, no, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Spirit of God. I mean, so to bring that up, that yeah, was, that was yeah. funny in the service, in the eleven o'clock service. Yeah. You asked a question, and the answer was Jesus, and like nobody said it. Did I that happen it, in well, the other services? Well, and at the nine o'clock, they, I mean, they said it much louder. Okay, the first time, as opposed to the eleven o'clock, everybody's like, Jesus, is it God? <laughs> is it Jesus? Should we say it? I mean, like no, you had yeah. to practice it with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did. Uh, so okay, so you got this uh, principle from Jesus. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're a very I mean, spiritual guy. Very spiritual. I mean, but yeah, I mean, great is your faithfulness. And just thinking about because, and, and I wanted to say it for our context because I mean, sure, I, I, I would assume that they are they're afraid. They're they're fretting. Like, I mean, is this going to be our end? You, you know, I mean, obviously, it's very dark. It's a gloomy, it's a gloomy time in the nation. But I know in our own life, when we face these kinds of situations, hmm. I, it's easy to fret. It's easy to worry. It's easy to be concerned. Yeah. And but yet, but yet. Jeremiah says, "Great is your faithfulness," and 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 that thought is actually tied to 
the fact that his his love, his compassions, his mercies are new every morning. So, and that's where you know God's new mercies were tied to His great faithfulness. the The reason why you knew that you could experience new mercies every day is because it they came from a God who was faithful, who was steadfast. Mm. And that who was extremely loyal, hmm. uh, and so that's why, I like you know, trying to kind of capture that in a, a little pithy statement of going, God's faithfulness is greater than our fretting, yeah. is that you know, so when you're fretting, just remember that God's faithfulness is great, greater than than what you you're worried about at that point, yeah, and that he he is going to somehow in some way. Now again, that's why I love what Paul says in Romans eight that he works all things out for the good. Now. Again, like it doesn't mean that we're always going to have good, right. that we're always going to face good, that there's always, you know, again, it goes back to that forecast that I showed at the very beginning. Like this is the forecast we want. And again, just to reiterate, that forecast is coming. Yeah. Like in the new yeah. city, that, I mean, now whether it's going to be 70s every single day, don't know. But you don't have to worry about thunderstorms. You don't have to worry about isolated. You don't have to worry about hurricanes, tsunamis. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about tornadoes. Like, and it's like that, that forecast is coming. But but the reality is is that we face these stormy forecasts, but yet Paul says that that for those who love God, somehow, in some way, because of his because Paul knew the Old Testament, mm-hmm. because of God's great faithfulness that is founded upon his loving kindness, his loyal covenantal love, he's going to work good out of it somehow. Mm. So that's why, like you can you can let go of your fretting yeah. and embrace God's faithfulness. Well, that's such good news. I I just yeah. love the way you you put that. I mean, I think about it this way: we can't outworry God. Yeah, and that and then going back to and this is where like I I can't say this I can't stress this enough. Mm. Like one of the greatest apologetics that the church will have in her arsenal in in the 21st century in America is how we not only understand pain, suffering, and sorrow, but how we actually engage in it. Hmm. Uh, because no, I mean, definitely, um, definitely people who have no religious background who uh, are, are just kind of winging it and just putting a hodgepodge, you, you know, kind of ideology or philosophy to their life. Mm. They won't have the the arsenal to deal with pain, suffering, and sorrow. Mm. But we do. Mm. Well, we have the the great theology that is can that can be and should be greatly applied mm. in a way that that people go. How can you go through that? Like again, it goes back to Lamentations, the Hebrew. How? Yeah, how? <laughs> how can you mm. go through that with joy? Now again, joy doesn't mean that you you walk around with this this huge smile on your face and you know that you you lie and go everything's great. No, joy is this deep seated happiness that you do have regardless of situation or circumstance because you know that your inheritance does not lie in this world, but in the world to come. Mm. And so, how we deal with it becomes this great apologetic for how we engage a 21st century culture. So, Amen. so I think that's probably a good, good little word to, to end on. And, Northland, we, we love you. 
absolutely deeply, mm. deeply love you and grateful for you and know that it has been a, a joy uh, to even have people come up and just express what they're going through and f- to be able to pray for them. And so if you are ever in a season of sorrow or pain or suffering and you want one of us, you want me and Matt or any of our governing elders or staff to pray for you, we are available every single weekend uh, during the week. All you have to do is get a hold of us and we will be there. We love you. Have a great rest of your day, your week, and I can't wait to see you this weekend. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.